Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful congregation here. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus and those watching online. Today we're starting a brand new series called Mind Games, and I really feel like this could be one of the most important series that we do because all of us struggle in one way or another with our thought lives and, and the battle that we have with our minds. But you know me, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the 40-year-old woman that had a heart attack and she was carried to the hospital and they moved her into surgery? As she's going into surgery, she said, God, is this it? And God said, no, you've got 40 more years left. And so she recovered from that and she was thinking about 40 more years. So she said, went immediately to have a tummy tuck, liposuction, and a facelift, an extreme makeover. And so uh, she's in recovery for that. And when she finally got out of recovery for all of that, she walked out of the hospital, walked in front of a car, boom, died right there when the car hit her. She goes up to heaven. And she said, God, I thought you said I had 40 years. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize you. (laughs) So be careful now. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Mind Games. And what we know is our mind is like a computer. How we program it determines how it will function. I mean, you can have the most expensive and the most powerful computer uh, that you can find, but if you put the wrong software on the computer, it's not going to perform up to par. In the same way, people uh, are not living up to their purpose in life, not because their hardware is defective, but not because there's something wrong with them, but they have allowed their thinking to become contaminated. They start to believing lies. Lies like this, little voices in their head that said, oh, I'm not talented enough, or I don't deserve this, or I'll never get out of this. All these little negative thoughts that start to speak into their lives, and they start to believing that. And just like a virus can slow down a computer, wrong thinking can keep you from fulfilling your purpose. If you're going to live in victory, you've got to know how to get the junk out of your life. If you're going to live in victory, you've got to figure out how to clean out the clutter that you can be free. I'll tell you, you cannot keep the negative thoughts from coming because we live in a negative world, don't we? And just as soon as uh, we go into the workplace or maybe we turn on the TV, it seems like those negative images and words come. And you cannot keep them from coming in, but you can keep them from staying there. You don't have to hold on to the negative. You don't have to hold on. I think we have, um, all have thoughts that, that flow through our minds, just like a movie screen. It's like those negative thoughts just come across that screen with different images and, uh, and different things. 
And maybe they speak to you like things like, oh, your business is about to go down or your kids are on the wrong path and they're going to self-destruct and, and all these little things or you'll never be this or you'll never be that. And those little thoughts just come across. And if we're not careful, they will stay in our uh, mind. And here's the danger. They will slow us down from becoming the people that God wants us to be. That's why we're in this series because we're going to combat and we're going to push back the darkness. We're going to push back the negative uh, in our lives and in our world. And one of the scriptural foundations of this series comes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and notice this, a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you love, power, and a sound mind. And what we know is this, that the mind is a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. So the big idea for this series, Mind Games, is this. This is the big idea. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The life we live is simply just a reflection of our thoughts, what we think. What we think tends to come out in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in her heart, they become that person. Whatever you think, you will become. And that's why it's so important that we take this time, this season, to really get the clutter out, get the negative out of our mind so that we can think good thoughts. God is more interested in changing your mind than he is in changing your circumstances. So often in life, we want God to change our circumstances. We want God to take away the pain. We want God to take away the problems. We want God to take away all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the sickness, all the sadness. You know, that's important, but you know what? God wants to change you from the inside out. Before he starts to deal with all those things on the outside, he wants to deal with those things on the inside. Lasting change in your life will begin when you start to renew your mind. When you start to change the way you think. If you're going to change your life, you have to change the way you think. Let me say that again. If you're going to change your life, you need to learn how to change the way you think. I think when we look at this, there are three areas of our lives where our thoughts really affect us. I need to change the way I think, first of all, because my, my thoughts control my actions. Your thoughts control your actions. Every single action always begins with a thought. Every single thing you do begins with, with a thought. If you don't think it, you can't do it. And that's both good and that's bad. 
Uh, If there's good things that you need to do, if you're not thinking about good things, you're not going to be doing good things. But if you are thinking about that bad things, what? You're going to be doing bad things. So that's why Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, above all else, I want you to be careful, above all else, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. Be careful. Be careful what you think because your thoughts, your thoughts, yes, your thoughts control your life. Your thoughts control your life. And most of us don't realize how much, uh, how important this is. Because you see, your thoughts start to shape who you are. Your thoughts start to shape how you see yourself. And as you start to see yourself that way, you're going to become that way. Here's the second thing. I I, I need to change the way I think because my thoughts are a battleground for sin. My thoughts are a battleground. It's a battleground for sin. All temptation begins in, in the mind. We think about temptation oftentimes. Temptation is out there. Oh, it's, it's way out there somewhere. But no, it's, it's in here. It's in those little thoughts that we think. Uh, it's not something external, but it's inside of us. It's, it's, it's in your mind. Those, those thoughts of, of pride or, or thoughts of bitterness or thoughts of um, hatred or anger. Where are those thoughts? They're all in your mind. And if you don't learn how to manage your mind, it's going to affect your life. Paul, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, maybe one of the greatest leaders of all times, struggled with this. He was a spiritual giant, but yet he struggled with these thoughts. And I'm sure he looked perfect on the outside like many of us, but, but inside he was really battling this. In Romans chapter 7, he wrote these words. He said, for in my inner being, for in my inner being, I I delight. I I really delight in God's law, but, but I see another law at work in me. I see another law at work in me. And this law is waging war against the law of what? My mind. And what is it doing? It is making me a prisoner. It's waging war against the law in my mind, and it is making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So look, if Paul, one of the greatest spiritual leaders in all of the world, struggled with this, I would imagine that many of us in this room, many of us in our South Campus, are struggling with this also. Paul is saying there's a battle going on in your brain. I think it's one of the reasons you get mentally fatigued. You get mentally, have you ever come, uh, gone home from work and, and you're just so mentally drained that literally all you want to do is lay on the couch or get in your recliner, get some ice cream and turn on Netflix. And, and if you're not careful, the, the episodes will just automatically start again. And before you know it, you finish two pints of ice cream in four episodes. And you don't even know. Now, there are times that Patty and I will be in that, that mode. And I have to really consider, okay, do I need an ep- a show that makes me think and be engaged and I have to follow the characters? Or am I one of those that you can kind of drift in and out and you'll always know what's going to happen? 
And so that's when it's really bad. When you get said, I don't need to think about anything. I just want to sit down, eat some ice cream and drift in and out. Because you're so mentally fatigued. Why are you mentally fatigued? Because you've been fighting all day. You've been battling all day. It seems like that that war in your mind, and and it could be with um, the person down the street uh, and their crazy driving or their crazy kids, or it could be the person at work, or it could be the uh, the person at the restaurant, or or just that, that one client that cannot be satisfied, no matter what you do. And you're waging this battle over and over. So by the time you get home, you're just simply mentally fatigued. Well, and it affects you. Satan wants to control your mind because he knows whatever gets your attention gets you. And if he can wage war against your mind and get you thinking about it, you are hyper focusing on things that are negative. You're hyper-focusing on problems and all of that stuff. If he can get your uh, mind and get your attention, he's got you. I've got to change the way I think for the third thing because my, my thoughts control my happiness. You see, if, you're gonna, if you learn to manage your thoughts, if you'll learn to manage your thoughts, it's going to open a door for you. It's going to open a door of peace it's going to open a door of happiness. I really believe that. As we learn how to manage our mind, we'll get control of our thought life. Listen to Romans chapter 8. Same guy writing this. He said, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But notice this. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Notice that. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life, and it leads to peace. There comes a point where we have to pray, God, let the Spirit control my mind. This morning, I woke up, and this morning, I was in prayer, and I prayed this prayer, and I pray this often. God, help me to get under what you have put over me. Help me to get under what you put, in other words, help me to surrender to your will. Help me to surrender to your way. Help me to live out your will. Help me to submit to those people who are in authority over me. Help me to submit to those people. Let me get under what you have put over me. If we can learn to do that, it helps us in this, this, uh, Uh, to really regain the happiness because we understand the Spirit is filling us. And when the Spirit fills us, what? It's going to lead us to life, and it's going to give you peace of mind. Now, over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about three choices that you can make to have a healthy mind. I want to talk to you about three choices that you can make that will help you have a healthy mind. If you want a healthy mind, you first of all must feed your mind with truth. You must feed your mind with truth. We all know the importance of nutrition. You know, if you have good food and, and good calories, you're going to be, you're going to be better. Uh, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be healthier. You're going to have more energy. But if you have bad food and, and bad, bad calories, you're going to be sluggish. The same is true in your thought life. 
I want you to feed your mind with truth. Why is that important? Because John chapter 8 and verse 32 says, you'll know the truth, and most of you know this verse, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the light, uh, and the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. This, God's word, is the truth. When we know God's word, the truth, that's where we'll start to discover uh, freedom. I believe you'll make your best decisions in life when you have the best information. I believe that God's word will give us the best information of how to make good decisions. Jesus said this, it is written, man shall not live by every, uh, bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word, we take in that word. We read the word. Now, how do we do that? Very practically, there's something about holding a Bible in your hand, going old school and reading the Bible. I want you to consider that. But I also know that there's, uh, we live in a digital age, and you can uh, have a Bible right in your hand. You can download the YouVersion app. I use that. I also use the Bible Gateway app. And um, you can read it on your phone. Or maybe if you're doing something, you can listen to the audio version of the Bible. There are many times that uh, I have that connected that with Alexa. And I'll say, Alexa, open version Bible. And she said, now t- moving over to version Bible, what would you like to read? Would you like to continue reading with John 8? So just imagine all those people that are watching in their living room right now. I just said they're a wake word, Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, open version Bible. Open version. Now, all over the area, version Bible is now coming online. That happens, doesn't it? But there's something to that. I, and I even have a little Alexa in my car, which is only like a $20 uh, uh, item. It works most of the time. Not all the time. I'm not endorsing this. It's, but I'll say this. I can go... And say, Alexa, open your version Bible and say, would you like to continue reading with John chapter 8? Why do I think this is important? Because I need to feed my mind with God's word. You are busy people. You've got to figure this out. You've got to figure out what's important to you. You've got to figure out how you're going to wash the negative things out of your mind. The Bible says you wash your mind with the word of God. And so all that negative stuff that's being poured into your... I mean, think about the hundreds, the thousands of images that you see every day. How do you get that out? You got to wash it out. How do you wash it out? You wash it out with God's Word. What if you started to think about God's Word? And maybe your Bible reading is this. Maybe it's one verse. Maybe it's one verse, and maybe it says this, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. 
And what if you made it a point that every hour on the hour you said that verse, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. And then the next hour, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. You get that word down in you. Or maybe you have this word in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do that. Every hour on the hour, when you go into that meeting um, with your team and news is not good and you don't want to go and you don't want to deal with this, you go into that meeting and said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you go to meet with your your Um, child's teacher at school and you know it's not going to be a good meeting and you just hate going in there. You just hate it. But yet you say, I can do all things through Christ. You are feeding your mind with truth. You're feeding your mind. God is light and in him there is no darkness. You're feeding your mind with the truth. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. You must free your mind from destructive thoughts. You must free your mind from destructive thoughts. During this 21 days of prayer, we're going to push the darkness back. We're going to free our mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be delivered. It needs to be released. So many times, we become prisoners of our thoughts. We become prisoners of our minds. And so many times, these things that we are thinking about are not even true. They're not even true, but somebody has spoken this over you, and you have believed that. Maybe you're told that you're clumsy. And so all of your life, you think, I'm clumsy, I'm clumsy. And before you know it, you are living out what they have spoken over you. Well, I fell. You know, I'm just clumsy. I'm just clumsy. And so, or maybe it's something else. Uh, You'll never be able to do this, or, or you don't have the talent for this. And you just hear that voice, and you just play it over and over. And before you know it, you are living out somebody else's negative words that they have put on you. And it's not even true. It's not true, but yet you are living it out as if it were true. You've got to free your mind. You've got to free your mind from destructive thought. That's why 21 days of prayer is so important. This is not just a catchphrase, you've got to get the junk out of your life, but you really do. You've got to get the junk out of your life so that you can be filled with the presence of the Lord, so that you can be strengthened. Now, we start that today. Tomorrow morning, the church opens at 6 a.m. We have a prayer service at 7, and it's really important that we all are involved in this, whether it's on site or wherever you may be. But you carve out time and you have a conversation with the Lord. You carve out time and you have a conversation. Maybe you even write him a letter. But you just carve that out because you are free. You are pushing back the darkness. You're pushing back the darkness over your family. You're pushing back the darkness over your kids. You're pushing back the darkness at work. In the name of Jesus, we are freeing our minds from those destructive forces. We're pushing it back. This is important. And this time it's even more important because... On August 29th, you may have seen the signs that we're uh, launching a revival here at Stevens Creek Church. This is the first revival that we've had in 21 years. And what makes the difference between a 
revival, a true revival, and a series of um, events or, or public speaking is truly, are we ready for that revival? And that's why for 21 days, we're going to say, God, get the junk out of our lives, get the junk out of our church. God, get us spiritually prepared for a move. Get us spiritually prepared for a revival and let this revival be so strong that it spills out uh, into this community where we invite our friends, people who are far from God, to come and experience life in the power of the Holy Spirit so that this, uh, this energy will flow throughout our community and that people will experience hope. We all wrestle. We wrestle um, with, um, with spiritual issues and we wrestle with things going in that try to hold us back. And so that's why we need to be freed from that. That's why we need uh, to be in his presence. What are those things that really bother us? I think one thing that, that bothers us is the first enemy is our old identity. Go back to uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 23. I'm gonna look at this one more time. Paul said this, I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. Now notice this, he is using war language here. Do you ever feel like that you're in a battle? Even a battle that you don't even want to be in. Well, that's the enemy. That's that battle going. It's a battle for your brain. You have all the best intentions but there's this battle with this old nature that comes up in you. There's this old person, that old person that lives down inside of you. Now, I grew up in a tradition that is very similar that came out of the old line Methodist tradition. And the Methodist tradition uh, really embraced the idea where you would be saved. And then John Wesley came on the scene and said, you know, there's an important thing about being sanctified. And so... I grew up in a tradition, a tradition that really emphasized that, that there's a second work that you're just not saved and on the way to heaven, but then you come to a place where you're sanctified. What it means to be sanctified is um, that the old man inside of you is crucified, that, that you, um, you walk away from the past and you become that a new person in Christ. I can, I'll always remember uh, there are times that I may cop an attitude when I was a kid and my my old Pentecostal grandmother would shake her, her face. She says, you need to go to church Sunday night and get in that altar and you need to be sanctified, son. Because she knew that that old person, that old attitude was coming back up. We don't emphasize that enough these days. We need that old person. We need to be different than, uh, than the rest of the world. Our goal should not to be to look like everybody else. Our goal should be to look like what Jesus would have us look like. That, that we would embrace who he called us to be. And it begins in the mind. Romans 8 says, those who live according to the flesh have the mind set on fleshly desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds on what the spirit desires. So it's important that we, we deal with that old nature. The, the second thing, it's the enemy that we have is Satan himself. Satan wants to control your mind, and so he sends negative images and negative words to you on a constant basis. I'm telling you, uh, you're being tracked. You're being tracked by the enemy. And, and uh, many of you are 
um, tracked by marketing schemes. Have you ever noticed that maybe sometimes it feels like you, you say something and the next thing you notice that when you open up your phone, there's an advertisement for something you just talked about. Of course, it's not listening to you. Not, not at all, right? Not at all. Your devices are not listening to your house. Alexa doesn't know anything. She just woke up again. Um, Alexa, cancel my history. Um, but but it's, you're, you're bombarded with, and they track you if you look uh, for an item. And, and before you know it, every day of the next uh, week, you're going to see examples of marketing for that item that you looked for. And it's going to follow you and follow you. We think that's a new technology. No, Satan has been doing that since, uh, since the Garden of Eden. He's been tracking you down. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you're vulnerable. And he is setting traps for you. He's setting traps for you to try to ensnare you, to try to make you fall. You have an enemy here. He wants you to continue to live below your potential. He wants you to continue to live in bitterness and anger and bondage and resentment. You've got to be aware of his devices. So we do have an enemy. Here's the third. Our third enemy is the world's value system. The world's value system is something else because it is like culture is going crazy. I think Satan knows his time is short and he is ramping up every kind of evil imaginable. First John said it this way, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The culture is at war against you, and the culture is not encouraging you to live a God-honoring life. The culture is not encouraging you to be prudent, to be chaste. The culture is not encouraging you to be disciplined. Their, world, uh, their word is simple. You only live once, go for it. Uh, you, you make your own truth. You do what you want to do. And their value system is warring against you. It's warring against me. How do we fight this? Here's how we fight it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight like they fight. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, notice this, to demolish strongholds. Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice this, and we take captive. We take captive what? Every thought. Why? Because the battle is in your mind. It's the war of the mind. So we've got to come in here and we've got to take captive every thought. And what are we going to do with those thoughts? We're going to make them obedient to Jesus Christ. This is, again, is warfare language. He's talking about the battle in our minds. He said, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Well, what is a stronghold? A stronghold, a spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. A spiritual stronghold in your life is a lie that you 
believe. If you're going to be mentally healthy, you've got to learn how to demolish these strongholds. Because every, behind every sin that you commit is a lie that you have been believing. Behind every sin that you commit is a lie that you've been believing. Satan is a liar, and he is the father of lies, and he's trying to enslave you. And, and these strongholds that come against you, these lies, these lies that said you'll never live out your purpose, you'll never be any better than this, um, uh, your parents were alcoholics and your grandparents were alcoholics, you'll never be free, free from this, whatever that thing is, that spiritual strong that has you, that you're believing is true. It needs to be destroyed. It needs to be demolished. What does he say? We take captive. The Greek word of this means that we are going to conquer it. We're going to make it obedient. The phrase literally means to bring it into submission. We are going to get up under what God has put over. And if God is over us and God is in authority, then no weapon formed against us will prosper. If God is in authority, then we know when the enemy comes at us in one direction, he will flee in seven different directions because he sees the power of God. He sees the anointing of God. He hears the word of God in you. And when the word comes forth, I'm telling you, the devil runs. So hear this, hear this. Here's the third one. I must focus my mind on the right things. I said, there's three things. I've got to focus my mind. I've got to focus my mind on the right things. Well, what am I going to think about? I'm going to think about Jesus. In Philippians chapter two, it says, let uh, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I've got to think about him. What would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus respond in this situation? How would Jesus treat this person? And let me say this. You've got to have an accurate view of Jesus. Jesus loved people, but also he walked into the temple one day and in and righteous anger, he turned over the tables of the money changers. So you've got to have a balanced view of Jesus and how we approach this. But we've got to think like Jesus. But we also have to think about other people. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, don't look out for your own interest, only for your own interest, but consider the needs of others. I think the third thing is that we need to think about eternity. We need to think about eternity. There's more to life than what uh, you're living right now. There is a life after this, there is an afterlife. And so many times we have short-term thinking on that. That's why Paul wrote to the, in Colossians, it said, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. We've got to think about the long-term. You've got to think about your, your legacy, the life you're living. And you know what? You need to think about one day that you will stand before a holy God. I will stand before a holy God. And I'm going to give an account of my life. So, that being said, if you were to stand before a holy God today, and that God said, and God said to you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you respond? What would you say? 
What would you say? There's only one thing that I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Nothing in my hands I bring. It's only to the cross that I cling. I can't do enough good works to appease the sin that I've made in my that I've done in my life. But Jesus gave his life. That's the message of John 3:16 for God so loved you and you and you and those in our south campus and those watching online, those watching on demand. God so loved you. He so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but you will have eternal life. You'll have eternal life. Today is your day. Today is your day to make things right with the Lord. And I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know what your struggle is, but I do know that God has ordered your footsteps to be listening to this message at this particular time because he is drawing you closer to him. Some of you are far from God. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You know what? You're in the right place today. Because God has ordered your footsteps to be here. And in a few minutes, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I believe that if you will pray this prayer and you believe the words that you say, that your life will be changed your sins will be forgiven. You'll be made right. And when you stand before that holy God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? You said, because I'm saved, because I've trusted Jesus. So are you ready for that? Some of you, you've had that relationship with Jesus before, but for whatever reason, you've just wandered away. And you're here in body, but you're, you're far from the Lord. And God is calling you to repent. God is calling you to, uh, to rededicate your life. That today is the day you're going to rededicate your life. That's why you're here. You're not here because somebody invited you to go to lunch afterwards. You're here because God wants you to hear that today is the day for you to come home. You've run uh, far and wide. Now it's time for you to turn around and follow the Lord. So I want to pray over you. We're going to pray two prayers today, but uh, this is the prayer that I want you to really consider it. Everybody on our South Campus here, I want you to bow your heads, and I just want to pray over you. How many of you would say to me, say, Marty, you're talking to me. I want to rededicate my life, I want to be, or I want to be saved. Let me see your hands across this, this auditorium in our South Campus too. Let me see the hands. Yes, all over this place. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these people that are watching online, the people on our South Campus and right here that are saying, Jesus, I need you. I need help today. Save me. So just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Say that. Say, come into my heart. Say this. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. 
Forgive me. Fill me with your presence. I receive your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Let's welcome them. You can text the word decided uh, to 706-222-7123, and we can help you take your next step. Well, today is the beginning of 21 days of prayer, so I want to just over the next two or three minutes just explain some things here. When you are, uh, leave the building today, you're going to have an opportunity to pick up a, um, a, a booklet on 21 Days of Prayer because we realize that this can be kind of um, intimidating for someone that's never moved into the, uh, a conversation with the Lord and uh, in a prayer life. And so in this book, it's going to help you take steps. It's going to give you some sample prayers for you to pray. And so feel free to pick this up and let this be a guide for you as you endeavor in this new adventure of having conversations with the Lord. It'll tie these prayers back to Scripture and it'll help you grow in your faith. The second thing is there are two cards in the back of the seat in front of you or if you're on the front row, they're sitting on your seat. There are two cards that look like this, okay? The first card says, um, my specific prayer request. Okay, here's what I want you to do at this campus and South Campus. I want you simply to write down what you want God to do in your life. What do you want God to do in your life? What is that thing? What is that big prayer that you're longing for? What is that thing you want God to do in your life? I want you to write it down. And in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And as we sing that song, if you feel comfortable, you can come forward and you can put those specific prayer requests, what you want God to do in your life. And you can lay it uh, on this stage. And I promise you, tomorrow morning, people will be praying over it. Church opens at 6 a.m. Prayer service starts at 7. I promise you, there will be people praying over your needs. Uh, You will be joined. um, People will be praying for you. Okay, so this prayer card is for you, your needs. This one is for others. Okay, this is the prayer card that you're going to write down people that you're personally going to pray for and that you're going to take this with you. You're going to leave this one with me, but you're going to take this one with you. And maybe it's a conditions at work. Maybe it's something that you're dreaming for. Maybe it's a relationship with another person that you're trying to work out. Whatever that thing is, you're praying for other people. Somebody that has cancer, somebody that has COVID. You're, you're calling God's attention to those needs. And together, we're going to see God move. Over and over, over the last uh, 10, 12, 15 years that we've been doing this, we have seen God move specifically during times of 21 days of prayer. And so I want you to get ready for God's going to move in your life. Amen? So take a couple of minutes, fill this out, uh, this uh, prayer focus. What do you want God to do in your life? Um, And then you can drop it off as the service ends. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.